Chapter Two of With Sack and Stock in Alaska by George Broke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Chapter Two Sitka to Yakutat. As we were detained at Sitka for a fortnight, making preparations for the expedition and waiting for W to come up on the next boat, I may as well give some description of one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen as the traveller lands on the pier he has the indian village of about five hundred inhabitants on his left while just in front are the barracks of the united states marines and the old russian citadel from the top of which he will obtain a lovely view somewhat resembling that of the bay of naples but with the additional charm of the snow-covered mountains and small glaciers at the head of silver bay numbers of small green islands stretch across its mouth while further away to the west lies Kruzoff island humping itself into the dormant volcano of mount edgecombe and the double summit of the camel's back due east and almost overshadowing the town rises the sharp peak of verstovia so called by the russians from its being supposed to be exactly a verst about three thousand feet high but the translation of the indian name is arrowhead to the northeast lies the little pool of swan lake above which the forest-clad hills sweep up again to the height of about two thousand feet while across the bay to the south rise mountains of very respectable proportions as he goes on up the main street our traveller sees on the left a broad grassy place beyond which are the remains of towers and stockades now no longer required to keep out the hostile siwash while on the right are a row of stores of which one or two are still the old log buildings erected by the first inhabitants he then passes the simple but hospitable little baranoff hotel on his left and finds himself in front of the greek church the main feature of sitka brilliantly though rather tawdrily decorated inside its service on sunday was impressively conducted and was well attended by many of the older indians and by the few russians left in sitka the road continues along the shores of the bay to the indian river a broad rapid stream foaming in places over ledges of rock the ground in its neighbourhood has been reserved as a sort of public park and though wild and uncared for presents pictures of great beauty but though beautiful the town is very diminutive and its permanent white population does not i should think amount to more than one hundred souls we had a letter of introduction to mr vanderbilt one of the sitka merchants and after securing rooms at the aforesaid hotel went to interview him with decidedly satisfactory results his partner mr de groff was at the time at yakutat where he had established a small store and was supervising some gold mining that had been commenced in the black sand on the shore his small schooner the alpha was expected back every day from sealing and as soon as she returned she would be sent up to yakutat with stores for his partner and could take us as passengers at that time we did not intend to take any white men trusting that we should be able to get canoes and porters at yakutat dick being the medium of communication we then decided to go on a little training expedition and selected a sharp peak we had noticed from the steamer in approaching sitka and had set down as between seven and eight thousand feet high 
to reach this we departed one afternoon in a fair-sized canoe with its owner and dick and rowed for most of these large canoes are fitted with oars in a northerly direction for about six miles until we reached the mouth of a narrow bay known as nuskwashinsky or nushanitsky here the wind though light was in our favour and we sailed peaceably up it reaching its head about seven o'clock and camped by a broad stream along which we had at first thought we could make our way towards our mountain which the indian informed us was called shaklok or spear peak but the bush in the valley was so dense that we struck straight up next morning till in about four hours we got above tree level and pitched camp at a height of about two thousand feet close to a big bed of snow next day we climbed our peak triumphantly in about three hours and even put on the rope to cross a big snow patch hanging on the face but its height proved to be only four thousand three hundred feet so easily is one deceived at first in a new country we built a big stone man on the top which we afterwards found was visible with a glass from the bay and returned to the tents where we spent most of the afternoon in slumber at this camp we got one or two deer and took a lot of venison back to sitka intending to dry it and take it north but unfortunately it all went bad in the moist atmosphere our next expedition was to kruzov and mount edgecombe and this time we had rather a sickener as we had about fifteen miles of much more open sea we took a bigger canoe and had to pull the beastly thing all the way so landed in the first place that came handy a very awkward landing with a lot of big rocks about from the appearance of clouds of mosquitoes in the evening dick prophesied bad weather and he was right for it poured the whole of the next day most of which we spent in the tent in the afternoon i went out to look for deer but the bush was so dense that it was impossible to get through it silently and though i just glimpsed a couple as they started away i couldn't even get a snapshot and return a bread to eel in a very dripping condition the following day the weather was not quite so adverse though there was still plenty of rain and getting our canoe afloat we rowed for an hour and a half along the beach till we reached a spot where the men said the bush was not so thick in this they were right but the ground was broken into countless ravines which always seemed to be at right angles to our course and getting up and down the slippery sides of these with a heavy knapsack on one's back proved rather exhausting so that the afternoon was well advanced by the time we began to climb the steeper slopes of edgecombe itself at last we came on a small clear space in the middle of the thick scrub and though no level spot could be found for the tent we decided to pitch camp a lot of cedar boughs were cut and arranged as evenly as possible for our bed and after we had fried with bacon and disposed of a ptarmigan each had picked off with his rifle as we came up we made what the indians call a white man's fire and so got warm if not dry before crawling into our blankets for the night on the previous evening we had made a nondescript meal off of cockles and gum boots a large species of chitin found adhering to the rocks the indians were very fond of these and attributed soporific powers to them but i certainly cannot recommend them for they resemble nothing more than the india rubber after which they are named being absolutely tasteless and appallingly tough it rained all night but the edgington tent stood it well very little coming through 
and that i fancy only where carelessness had left some article touching the canvas with a view to assisting the commissariat department we separated in the morning e and h going up to the top of edgecombe and securing two more ptarmigan on the way they found the bottom of the shallow crater covered with snow and on the summit itself encountered the tracks of one of the enormous alaska brown bears ursus richardsonii i took dick towards the camel's back but we never saw a sign of deer or bear and so about two o'clock i turned to come home giving him the rifle that he might make a last effort to procure venison i had no doubt about being able to find my way back for i had taken my bearings carefully and a fair-sized dead tree standing in the middle of our small clearing afforded a capital landmark i went at a fair pace and though all the ravines were very much alike i presently felt pretty sure i was nearing camp an opinion confirmed in a minute or two by hearing as i thought the crooning song of the indian we had left behind still no dead tree appeared and thinking i must have been mistaken i pushed on for another quarter of an hour by which time i felt sure i had gone far enough i struggled up the mountain i scrambled down i shouted and yelled i had an exciting chase after a couple of ptarmigan one of which i managed to bag with my revolver but nowhere could i see this mangy tree and began to feel very unhappy as it was gradually borne in on me that i was very decidedly lost at last i saw far below me two tiny lakes which we had passed on the previous day and decided to go down to them as i felt pretty sure i could make camp from there hardly had i descended a hundred yards when i came into the corner of a clearing and heard e's voice and then the mystery was explained the other indian with praiseworthy but most mistaken industry had cut down the dead tree for firewood it had rained all day and in the night a tremendous southwest gale came on which proved the last straw and we settled to return to sitka where we were going to dismiss the dude with whom we had had a row he had accidentally left his blankets on the beach by the canoe and though we had lent him one of ours he was very dissatisfied and apparently coming to the conclusion that serving us was not likely to be all beer and skittles announced that he was not coming to yakutat we made no attempt to get him to change his mind for we had already come to the conclusion that he had much too good an opinion of himself and was more than a little lazy though he was an entertaining conversationalist and gave us interesting scraps of information either social such as the number of slaves he had till quite recently possessed or geographical such as that twenty-one miles up the copper river a glacier stretches across its whole width a phenomena which existed on the Sikine till comparatively lately he added that the river was two miles wide at this point and that a portage of fifteen miles across the ice was made by the indians with skin canoes or bedarkies but as he had never been there i am inclined to doubt his details although we were unanimous as to the expediency of dismissing him we were not all so united as to how he was to be replaced and became indeed a little despondent as to whether we should get further than yakutat so that had we been able to communicate by telegraph with w i am not at all sure that the expedition would not have then and there come to an end and the members of it taken refuge in the selkirks luckily we had to wait for him 
and in the interval more cheerful counsels prevailed meanwhile we packed down again to the canoe the wind was very high and there was a lot of sea but the men thought that as the wind was fair we might venture and after lunch off a confiding grouse which had fallen victim to ease rifle we started and found that whether we liked it or not we had got to go on as returning to the island in the teeth of the gale was quite impossible the rollers were enormous but with a little scrap of sail we flew along finely and in about two hours were back in sitka harbor the next few days were spent chiefly in endless confabulations with various white men and indians who were willing to accompany us as porters which resulted in the engagement of two white men lyons and mcconaughey and four sitka indians the former to receive three the latter two dollars a day and their food e and i occupied ourselves one morning in the ascent of verstovia we left at four o'clock along the indian river by a fair trail for about an hour and then crossing the stream by a fallen tree struck up to the right through the most abominable bush full of devil's clubs an exceedingly evil plant with large green leaves and scarlet berries covered as to the stem and backs of the leaves with minute prickles which penetrate the human skin with unpleasant facility and if left in cause festering sores it was steamingly hot in the low ground but we struggled up somehow or rather i did the struggling for e appeared provokingly cool while i was dripping and breathless and eventually reached the top of the sharp rocky cone which forms the highest peak at half past seven getting just scrambling enough in the last hundred feet to find our rifles rather a nuisance as we had been told we should take at least six hours we were rather pleased with ourselves and after spending an hour on the top and setting up a flagstaff left there some years before by a party of marines we descended leisurely by the west face instead of by the northwest ridge up which we had come and got back to sitka just after eleven at last the alpha returned from sealing with one hundred nineteen skins on board and was beached for repairs she was followed the next day by the elder which brought w and after two or three days packing and arranging we actually started on tuesday july third at ten thirty a m about half of the slender population of sitka came down to see us off and to wish us every success while the little five-and-twenty-ton schooner was beating out between the islands against the fresh northwest breeze we discovered that we were being pursued and soon afterwards a boat came up bringing an american flag provided by the kindness of mr hayden the acting governor and we accordingly hoisted the stars and stripes at the masthead mrs hayden had previously presented us with a small silk flag to be left on the summit of mount st elias if we ever got there dinner was soon announced and we proceeded below but recoiled from the fearful heat and smell caused by the want of ventilation in the cabin in which was the cooking stove e who was proof against anything remained below but h w and i retired to the deck where we ate our meals during the greater part of our voyage shortly afterwards we three yielded to the gruesome attacks of seasickness as the little vessel was now pitching freely w who had often cruised off the east coast of the united states in small yachts soon recovered but h and i remained more or less prostrate the whole time we were on board 
the wind was dead ahead west by north magnetic and our craft made so much leeway that our onward progress was insignificant next morning under a gray sky we were only fifteen miles from sitka edgecombe was still in sight the morning after that and it was not till friday the sixth that we sighted mount fairweather and Crillon, some sixty miles off and right ahead next day we were only about twenty miles from them and went tacking steadily up the coast the glories of which were veiled in almost constant rain and cloud without making much progress on sunday we at last got past Latuya bay near which we saw a hummingbird in the evening the wind which we now regarded as a personal enemy since blowing from the northwest it ought at least to have brought fine weather began to die away and at about two in the morning a vigorous southeaster sprang up so that we flew along finely in the right direction at last but to our intense disgust captain jimmy whose only fault was overcaution perhaps a natural one in these very dangerous coasts hove to fearing lest we might be driven ashore in the thick weather that prevailed in the evening the wind collapsed and we got a glimpse of a land as to the identity of which there rose a considerable argument but on the whole those who had been there before held the opinion that we were about thirty miles from ocean cape which view proved correct as next morning which was more or less fine we were only ten miles off mount st elias and the range as far east as mount vancouver were visible but swathed in clouds their height did not impress us much at first sight but we were greatly struck with the enormous mass of the malaspina glacier the white upper part of which presented such a curiously regular appearance that at first we believed it to be a layer of cloud till undeceived by the telescope there was hardly any wind but we crept round to cape phipps at last and came in sight of yakutat once round the corner the light breeze from the west sent us along faster and we were soon abreast of the ranch on contag island great was the excitement among our men there's de groff and calson and dalton we hoisted our flag but the halyards got entangled and the stars and stripes were an unsightly ball omen perhaps of what was to befall us for as we rounded the point at the end of the island we kept a little too far out the tide ebbing swiftly through the narrow channel caught our bows and we ran hard and fast on to a rocky shoal instead of sailing into the harbour known as port mulgrave we were evidently a fixture till the tide rose again and so went ashore in the hope of finding strawberries in which we were disappointed as though there were any number of plants the indian women and children had been beforehand with us and we only collected a meagre half-dozen we made the acquaintance of mr de groff vanderbilt's partner and so part owner of the alpha a short rather good-looking man with blue eyes and fair hair and beard our siwashes soon found friends and relations in the village and we agreed to pay them board wages at the rate of one dollar twenty-five per day for the lot while mcconaughey shorty and lyons were to be fed with us on the alpha another little schooner the three brothers of kayak island was in the harbour when we arrived but took her departure next day there being some alarm as to whether the water would not come in and damage our stores when the schooner floated we at first resolved to sit up but eventually we gave it up and turned in 
about midnight she was got off and beached in front of the ranch without our knowing anything about it and without taking in any water from this point onwards i give the events just as they are noted in my diary end of chapter two